prioritize and execute. There's always so much to do. If you try to do too much at once, you typically get nothing done. It's best to relax, think, make a decision to accomplish one thing at a time. Good morning. You are listening to the Glock and Doc Audio Encounter. My name is Sadie, and I'm sitting here with Tim Glockner and Dale King, who are freshly back. You guys are looking good. No bags under your eyes. Well rested. They just got back from the Extreme Ownership Muster, right? Check. Yes. In Austin, Texas, with Jocko Willink and Leif Babin. And I have to throw it out there, Echo Charles was there too. Echo is the man. Echo is probably the, my favorite part. Did you guys have a good time? We, uh, we time. may have had a little bit of fun. It looked like it. So for <laughs> those who don't know, we have a little message board that goes on back and forth. And I'm really excited to hear about this trip uh, for a couple of reasons. One, because we can all agree that we look up to Jocko and Leif, but especially Jocko, based off of his podcast, we've all learned a lot from him and um, some of his different episodes that we've heard online. But also, I'm really looking forward to it because you guys kept giving me the half stories while you were gone. So I'm, I'm excited to hear the full story of, of some of the things that went down. I know at one point I, I get a message of, that Tim is stuck in a hatchback. Basically, I was verbally abused the whole trip by four guys that were uh, twice my size. It's okay, Tim. So, anyways, I would let you guys get started. Um, excited to hear your takeaways and some of the lessons that you learned, maybe that anything different that you haven't already learned off of their podcast or just um, some things moving forward that, that they instilled in you to make you guys better businessmen, better people, and better leaders. So, Right on. Sound good? Let's do it. Let's do it. Good. So there I was. Um, the Extreme Ownership Muster, uh, like Sadie already said, if you guys don't know, Jocko Willink and, uh, and Leif wrote a book called Extreme Ownership, and that's kind of how they came to the forefront um, in notoriety. But they also... They have a consulting company called Echelon Front, um, and what they do is they make their money going to big-time corporations and consulting those guys on leadership, organization, um, essentially how to lead and win at, at any level of business. So they are, just so people, the people who don't know, they are ex-Navy SEALs. They're former Navy SEALs, and... Um, what they do is they took their lessons from the Battle of Ramadi in 2006, and they've conceptualized those, distilled them down into practical applications for 
for anyone, whether you own a business, whether you're a leader in your community, a leader in your family, a leader in your church, um, they've taken their experiences and, uh, and through the book Extreme Ownership, try to pass those lessons along. Um, and they do, they do corporate consulting. So cool. they'll come to your place, you know, uh, GM or whatever, and you might be faced with a problem and you'll consult out to these guys to kind of help, they'll help you along with whatever issues you're having. So um, from several years of experience doing that <clears throat> and through the podcast, that's mm-hmm. kind of how I got hooked on to Jocko is, was listening to his podcast. Um, so you hadn't read his book prior to his podcast? I actually had not read the book prior to the podcast. Um, and the reason is his podcasts are three three hours long mm-hmm. and uh, I caught up on all of them within a period of about six weeks right um, and there's like he's at like 80 some right now yeah so um, I quick studied the book on the way way down there just to make sure I wasn't missing anything right <clears throat> awesome yeah it sounded like Jocko was here every day for like <laughs> six straight weeks <laughs> the podcast was always rolling so well, cool. Um, what about like their demeanor? I feel like based off of the podcast, I know that we kind of talked before this, but first impression, a little intimidating. But then you said once you got to know them, pretty, pretty cool guys, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. I actually s- briefly passed Jocko on another event in San Antonio. And uh, I was just t- sitting there chatting with another guy. And then all of a sudden, out of the corner of my eye, I see Jocko just walking past me walking past me very angrily sprinting <laughs> he leads you know any any door, any room that he goes into it's always like jaw first as he, as he kind of walks in there the time stands still and i was like what the hell is jocko <laughs> so like i was too busy involved in a conversation i'm like i'm gonna track this guy down and uh and he was gone so just the little seven second walkthrough you would just from watching him and all the videos and the podcast um he definitely kind of sounds a mix of like uh, a Western star mixed with like a caveman, right. um, and and his philosophy just kind of portrays this whole image that is rightfully so. But um, I think one of the t- one of the things that caught Tim and I off not off guard, but like how funny he is. Oh, we laugh so much during that seminar. Uh, really. I'm good entertainer I, as well. I'm really most excited to hear your take on this trip, Tim. Just mainly because I've known how much of a man crush Dale has had on Jocko and Echo. Well, I had not, I've still not read his book. I haven't listened to his podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Honesty. <laughs> Full disclosure. Um, Dale asked me to go on this trip, and he's hard to say no to, so... Uh, we went to Austin, Texas, um, and I was pleasantly surprised. You know, I mean, this guy's yeah, he's an ex-Navy SEAL. He's he's a hardcore guy, um, default aggressive, and just wasn't exactly my, my <laughs> style. You know what I mean? But uh, but he's also um, he's also a father and a, a husband, and you can really he's just very relatable and uh, he's a good dude. But um, yeah, so I agreed to go with Dale and these guys, and I knew we'd have a good time, but uh, um, wasn't real excited to spend time away from home and right. Yeah, especially and considering work. you'd been gone like the last 
three weeks too. So yeah. I'm sure he does his trips too. That is a side note. I, I feel like I got attacked on the last podcast because I'm never here, and yeah. then you guys just take off together and we have were, this kick-ass <laughs> trip down in Texas. Well, you know, it's not our fault. We have fun wherever we go. Expense, business if business happens in the course of having fun. Then That's right. So let's tell everybody the group of guys that went, because I think that's a pretty dynamic group that you guys had go. You have Dale, the small business owner, gym owner, Tim, car dealership owner. Talk about some of the other guys that went with you, because there's five, right? Shane Numley is a operations guy, um, accountant, uh, quality control guy, um, super, super smart. Kind of tired of hanging out with uh, all my friends that are that are stronger and better and faster than me, but uh, it, it gets used to it. Yeah. yeah. Um, we got Nelson. Uh, Nelson Claver went. He's a he's a minister. He's a firefighter. He's actually a small business owner too. You know, it's like a media marketing company. Right. Super smart guy. Yeah. And then we also had Kareem. Kareem's mm-hmm. a Kareem's a physician, and uh, he's also a small business owner as well. Right. So you kind of had like a wide array of people going, so that just like goes to show that anybody can take leadership. Oh yeah, absolutely. The average, from... if Tim wasn't there, the average size probably would have been six one two twenty. I'd say with Tim going, it was probably five eleven to a five ish. So he kind of brought the size average down. That's okay. And um, and the bench press average down. Uh, <laughs> oh, wait, wait, <laughs> Plummeting. One That's the, okay. Too. One of the That's questionnaires right. on the uh, on the survey form was how much do you bench, and I was just like, leave it blank, Tim. Don't, just don't go there. <laughs> All right, so let's get into it. I'm excited. Um, I'm sure the listeners are excited, and uh, I, I want to hear some of the things that um, we we didn't already know from the podcast, and and what you guys are going to do moving forward to be better leaders in what you do. So, let you guys take it away. Kind of bounce it back and forth and uh, see what happens. Tim, you want to start us off, brother? Well, I was just going to finish with um, where I started my thought with uh, who, who wants to take time to go away to training. You know, every time I, I mention this to one of my employees, they, they never want to take time, and I, I never do either. It's like working out. You, you always dread going, but you never regret when it's over. And... Um, had a great time, probably learned as much from the four dudes I went with that, um, as I did at the conference, and I learned a ton at the conference, but, uh, and just made what I, I feel like uh, lifelong friendships, and that was worth the trip. But, yeah, so my first takeaway is just invest the time to get better, um, especially with, with professional training, um, and especially if you can get away from the, the daily grind and, and get away. So. It's always good to, to read books and listen to podcasts. We should do that, too, and I'm definitely going to do both. I ordered eight of Jocko's books, and we're going to go through that with my uh, seven key people at work. But uh, my first takeaway is just invest invest the mm. time, get away. That's a good point. Get after it. Yeah. A lot of times I feel like people get kind of get stagnant. Like they reach a peak, and then it's like, well, this is – I'm where I want to be. They don't. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people don't feel like they need to go that extra mile to get that additional training, or think they need to get better. So that is a good point. And that was actually essentially Tim's, in a way, talking about detachment. 
Um, and that's one of the concepts that, that they, they talked about. So as a leader, it's real easy to, to get down in the weeds, to be in every single detail, to know every single aspect, um, to doing, doing everybody's job that mm-hmm. you are essentially employing them for. Mm-hmm. And before you know it, you're so swamped down in the weeds that you're not doing your job as a leader and doing that forecasting and, and vision and planning for the next step. Um, so it's r- real easy to get to get swamped down with the date. Like, oh, there's no way I could ever leave. There's no way. Like, first of all, you just need if if, uh, if it's like the saying, like if you don't have 30 minutes a day to work out, then you're in trouble. You got yeah. problems. <laughs> you, Your time management skills are <laughs> so, mm-hmm. something. Not up something's to snuff. wrong there. Um, so exactly you just need to be able to pull away and go on, a go on a vacation mm-hmm. b go on a trip like this um or you know if you can't afford to to go on something like that give yourself a long weekend get, grab a book mm-hmm. listen to some podcasts pull yourself away unplug so you can not worry about the daily grind yeah um and then you can kind of focus on you know uh, helping yourself out so you can help help your team out. Okay. Very good detachment. So we also learn about the laws of combat. And Jocko writes um there's four laws and he writes a chapter on each one and you can there's a, a ton with each law, but I'll just kind of briefly cover these. Um the first law is cover and move and it's uh, in military operations there are many different branches, companies, platoons, etc that are all responsible for different functions but have one goal, and that's to defeat the enemy. And trust and communication is key. If they are to work together as one team to complete the mission, um, just like I took it, all these things hit hit home to me. In my business, which is a car dealership, um, sometimes we we see ourselves as two or three different departments. And... Right. Which we are, um, but it's almost like when there's a, a service customer problem, that's that's their problem. That's their customer. Yep. We just sold them two weeks ago. Right. It was our customer then. On to the next one. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's basically about uh, being a team. So um, the, like, the, the main goal is to acquire and retain a customer for life so, yeah. and working as a team. That's a good uh, thought basically I'm thinking of here at the gym mm-hmm. with Doc Spartan third and court and the gym mm-hmm. we have a lot of people that kind of like overlap those mm. businesses and it's not like oh someone's coming in buying Doc Spartan that's not my department I just work for the gym and third and court right. we, I feel like we do a good job of I got your back you got mine you know what I mean yeah. working together so that's a good that's Covering a good moves. point yeah, yeah. Good and it was cool um because my second deployment to Iraq was, to, I came back home in August of 2005, and the Battle of Ramadi was in 2006, and our we both reported to the same higher headquarters element um, while we were there. So it's very cool to see how he took those laws, those lessons, and, and brought them to business. Um, and it's very cool for me because <clears throat> it's like having a boss during that time, now 10 years later, still able to tell me 
be my mentor and mm-hmm. be my coach. And he's and just having that shared experience, like I can directly conceptualize what he's talking about. Uh, you know, the laws of combat mm-hmm. um, and, and how they lead. So cover and move is basically like if you're in a firefight and there's two of us, you know, Tim and I are in a firefight and we need to move from objective A to objective B, we both just don't go apeshit crazy <laughs> and start death blossoming everywhere and try to get to where we need to go. We talk, you know, mm-hmm. I'm going to lay down cover fire so you can move to that vehicle up there. Once you're behind that vehicle, you can start laying cover down, or you, mm-hmm. you can start laying cover fire against the enemy so I can move leapfrog up to the next vehicle that way. Okay. So essentially cover move is teamwork, like exactly like Tim said, but a big part of that cover and move is communication. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if our goal is to get from point A to point B, we have to have each other's back and we have to talk, like incessantly over communicate, especially when our lives are on the line. And <clears throat> a lot of these people, people really either like books written by combat leaders or about combat, or they just automatically dismiss them because they're like, okay, well, that's life or death, bro. Like, mm-hmm. I'm just trying to pay the bills. Yeah. Well, A, I would say if you're just trying to pay the bills, you're in the wrong business anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, but their point is, and, and I can almost kind of agree with this. I mean, no, nothing ever takes the stress of, like, life or death. Mm-hmm. However, like, as a somebody who employs someone or you're self-employed, right. your livelihood is on the line. Uh, not necessarily just life, your life or death, but you know, if that paycheck, if money stops coming, now my 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 home is at risk, my two kids are at risk. Um, so, it, life or death and livelihood are very similar in the stress levels. Right. And, and some people get stressed out more when they're talking about they have a small team of four or five employees that are that relying was be upon what them. I, what I said, aside from just your own self and worrying about yourself. You now have X amount of people working for you that are relying on your business to succeed. So, yeah, that's a big, that's a big worry there too. So basically, you know, these these quote unquote laws of combat apply to, to right. um, to everyday life. Let's hear law number two. Law number two is simple. The mission must be simplified. If people don't understand, they cannot execute. You can be the commander of the best Navy ship in the world, but if no one knows where you're going, the ship will float aimlessly all over the world. So I knew when I, when I heard this, um, we just overlooked these, these things that um, we've got to make sure that every person on our teams understand what the mission is. You know, when you ask people, typically, do you, do you understand what the goal is? They're going to say yes, like right. 99% of the time. So they don't want to let the leader down. But uh, we've got to ask them, uh, not only that they understand, but to explain the mission back to us to confirm that they actually do understand. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a simple law on simplifying the mission. It makes so much sense. So, yeah. yeah. And um, d- directly because of that, like we had a meeting yesterday, because we're getting ready to go to the CrossFit Games, mm-hmm. um, you know, which is a, an expensive undertaking. You gotta pay for a vendor's fee, you have to pay for lodging, you have to pay for travel, time for you know, four days to get there, you have to pay for all your uh, product and inventory to take up there. And uh, you know, 
it just happens to be it's very cool and fun to do too. Um, so we're plan we're planning out all our booth and what we need to take and the whole thing and everybody's getting fired up about it and I was like, okay, what's our goal? What's our goal of going there? And it's like everybody's like, uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, it's to sell a lot. Okay, well that's not necessarily wrong. Um, so everybody kind of had a diff different goal, mm-hmm. and it's like, okay, well. Here's our goal. Our goal on a micro level is to make back all the money we're spending, okay? And then on, on a macro level, it's to develop business relationships with people we meet there to develop wholesale accounts. And just by, sh- you know, giving that information out, it's like, oh, okay. Well, since that's, you know, the higher, the overarching goal is to develop wholesale and retail accounts, that's going to allow our sales guys to have a better targeted conversation with the customer when they get there. Not only just trying to sell them a triple threat, but like, hey, uh, where do you work at? What gym do you go to? Do you know that we offer wholesale accounts? Uh, and then the, the macro goal is, you know, well, okay, yeah, we want to sell a lot. What's a lot? Here's the goal. Here's the overall goal for the weekend. You break that down per day. So we need to hit this target, this target per day. And just by that law of combat, simplicity, now we've taken that, everybody's aware of the same goal, and now everybody's working towards the same uh, end task. Right. And what that law makes me think of from a non-business side, but more of from a coaching standpoint, is you get one hour a day to coach, you have a 15-minute warm-up, and everybody meets you at the whiteboard. The workout is written there on the whiteboard, but you have to explain it and show every movement and make sure that, and actually Dale did a good job of teaching me this, making sure there are no questions at the end and being completely concise and clear of what the goal is for that day or what the mission is or what the workout is. I mean, now you always have that one person that does, like, hold back and wait and ask you a question afterwards, but it always feels like a win when you're like, okay, does anybody have any questions about what we're going to do? I want the rowers over there, thrusters are going to be over here, wall balls up against the wall. If you're totally clear and there are no questions, that feels like a a success on the coaching and the workout hasn't even started yet. So, yeah, that's a good point, and I can see how that relates to... It's You know, communication needs to be simple it needs to be clear and concise um you need to everybody needs to understand the most like my rule of thumb is everybody needs to understand the most with the less words said Mm -hmm. if you can do that then that's then that's that you've won right good law law number three okay How's that for being economical with words? <laughs> <laughs> I looked over the next page. I was like, "That's that's all I got." <laughs> Simple. I think that's a good point, and yeah. very relatable to what we're about to do. And like, just it goes back to the exact same example you just gave at the games. You know, um, prioritize why we're going to be there and get the task done. Mm-hmm. And a part of that is detachment. Mm-hmm. So when it's just going absolutely shit crazy, there's everything's going on, uh, you know, m- there's multiple fires on, and you just you're getting overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Whether that's you know, and, and this to me detachment 
is best executed at a personal level. Like if you cannot detach yourself first and like all these fires going on and all these crazy uh, things happening, they're happening in your head mm -hmm. first. And if you can't detach from being able to separate positive thoughts, negative thoughts, getting overwhelmed, um, then you're not going to be able to detach in real life when, when you legitimately could have five different fires happening mm -hmm. at the same time. And you just, you know, it's uh, fight, flight, or freeze. Um, if you can't practice that ability, then you're going to be, you, you're not going to be able to help yourself. And as a leader, you're not going to be able to, uh, to help others. So you know, the first step is when, when you feel yourself getting overwhelmed, um, you know, they just say, relax, detach, and make a call. Um, and a lot of that, I mean, this is another, a whole other thing, but like, as far as like being aware of breath awareness, having mm -hmm. breath control leads to awareness of your thoughts, leads to if you can control your thinking and where that's going, you can control your actions. Um, we can talk about that at a later time, but um, prioritize, prioritize and execute. You have to be able to pull yourself out, think of something. What's the most important thing now? Let's fix that. And we'll move on to the mm -hmm. next one. You know, everybody's going to give you a list of 10 things that are super important to do and that must be done at all at the same time. Well, you can only do one thing. Yeah, nail out that first one. Um, and then head on, head on to the next. Right. And the last law, number four, is decentralized command. Simply put, everyone leads. By sharing the vision, confirming understanding, and empowering everyone to take ownership, you can move people to action and win. So you don't want to have, if, if everyone's waiting on the leader to make every single decision, you're going to fall short of the goal. Um, now, if everyone is empowered to make a decision, but no one knows exactly what the mission is, um, and there's not trust between all the team mm -hmm. members, that can be a disaster too. But um, if everyone understands the mission and there's trust and communication, then everyone can lead, and that's that's what decentralized command is. Now, I feel like that is probably like a key characteristic of being in a sales situation, because you, how many times a day do you have to make a call? You know what I mean? And when you're working with the public or, um, you know, people coming in and buying your cars, they're going to have questions. They're going to have you know, they're going to try to wheel and deal and you've right. got to be able to think on your feet, think on your feet and be able to roll with the punches that way and not be like, okay, let me be right back. Right. You know, which everyone hates that stereotypical yeah. car buying well, customer. Yeah. The customer hates that especially. Right. right. So yeah. And then on the other side of that, we, again, back to going to the CrossFit games, it's like, we are all going to know our MSRP and our cost that way we're not okay let me go talk to Dale or let me go talk to Renee about this mm -hmm. and see if I can make this call make this happen like we got to be able to take ownership of the sale and make it happen on our own yeah to me decentralized command is, is, is essentially developing subordinate leaders or not necessarily subordinate leaders just developing leaders within your within your organization um, you know that's great okay well you know, give people authority, give people responsibility, and let them go. Um, but it's more than that. 
you know, you can't just say, you know, if somebody shows up day one and like, all right, dude, you're in charge, make it happen. It's like, uh, you're not necessarily setting that guy up for success. Um, so then it's like, well, how do we, how do we do that? And, you know, the best way, and this is what they talked about is, um, you, you got to give good, clear, solid advice with defined parameters. So going back to, you know, something as simple as selling products, it's like, you know, yeah, we have, we have an MSRP, but if we're going to go to an event, everybody kind of expects a deal and you want to be able to bundle different things together and like be able to do that. Well, you can't, so here's the cost. Here's our cost of goods. You know, it's $5 or whatever, let's say MSRP is 10 and you need to know that for every product. So when you and your head start like, okay, well, hey, yeah, I want this, I want this triple threat. Well, you know what? If you buy two more, I can knock uh, $10 off the mm-hmm. total cost. Um, and then you just have to be given guidelines as that salesperson or, or anybody in there and allow that person to go out there and make, because the they're, they're, yeah, they're the ones on the front lines dealing directly and consuming with or interacting with the customer. And I can't as the owner do that. Right. And A, that's not my job and I shouldn't want to do that because if you're my top salesperson, you're going to know, you're going to probably know what works. You should know what works better. Mm-hmm. And if you're like, dude, here's the thing, here's what I've been doing. They've been coming in wanting one and I've been upselling to four. Yeah, we're taking a $12 hit, but look how much that's adding to our, to our bottom line. Yeah. And you have to empower those people to, to make that decision. Because um, the ones on... The ones on the front lines are going to know what works best, mm-hmm. but they also need to have those clear boundaries. Here's your left limit. Here's your right limit. Stay within that. You do your thing and uh, and go make it happen. Very good. <clears throat> yeah, and and we get um, we get asked a lot, like, how do you get people to feel a part of the team? Feel a part, you know more than just I'm getting my paycheck Paycheck, every two weeks how do they feel um, as an employee how do you get them to feel a part of the team Um, you know everybody kind of and I have it in my notes here somewhere but you know for everybody's usually the first answer is okay well um, you gotta you gotta monetize the incentives which doesn't hurt um, but that's not a possibility for everybody and here's the thing some people don't it doesn't work yeah, you know I mean, some people, and that's where you you know you have to know your people and you have to know their personalities. But mm-hmm. if you give somebody a mission or an area of responsibility, um, it's yours. It's either going to fail or succeed based upon you, and then you reward them and you acknowledge their success. That's going to go well over anything else. Right. Um, but you have to kind of know the person to, to be able to do that. Um, and you have to explain the mission to them. Like, here, like here's your job. Here's what I need you to do. And here's why this is so important. Um, and that's kind of a good way to, to build ownership mm-hmm. um, by having that decentralized command within your team. Good. Very good. Those were the four laws <clears throat> of, what was the title again? Uh, or just the laws that he gave you at the... They are the four laws of combat. Four laws of combat. Yep. Very good. 
So, Dale, I'm looking at you, and that signifies <laughs> go, ego. <laughs> so, one of the big, there's all kinds of big takeaways um, from the trip, and this is my personal biggest takeaway was ego. Um, I think if anybody knows me for a while, no, can, can, come uh, on. I think they hit all this right between the eyes. <laughs> right, yeah. If, uh, especially if you listen to the episode about painting my building black. Oh, you know, my The God. majority of that decision was solely based upon ego. <laughs> um, it could have, you know, potentially gotten me in some trouble. But So they had the whole section about ego. And um, any ego causes 99.9% of any problems within an organization. I believe it. Um, you know, big egos are, are the inability to listen to others. They're unadaptable to new methods and technology. Um, having a big ego means a lot of times you don't respect your competitors. Oh, we're kicking ass. They, you know, they don't have anything on us. Mm-hmm. We, you know, um, so you don't don't respect, don't listen to your competitors. Um, ego limits your ability to, to conduct conduct a true and accurate self assessment. Um, so if you just have a huge ego and you got, you know, a couple people on your team saying, you know, hey, sir, you might want to work on this or we may not, you know, your ego is going to cloud anybody's, uh, anybody's help. Um, so, and like they brought up an example about ego versus ego conflicts. Um, when you got, you know, business, you're going to basically have any kind of deal is going to be an ego versus ego thing. Right. You know what I mean? And a lot of people don't want to come off of that uh, or compromise, if you will, because they're letting their ego interfere and get in the way. Well, I just listened to, um, I did a lot of driving this weekend, so I kind of went back to some of my favorite episodes. You know, since you guys were with Jocko, I was kind of there in spirit. Um, and he talked about kind of the, that Navy SEAL on Navy SEAL ego and having to, um, let someone go. But before he did that, he laid it out and basically told him like your ego is what's getting in the way of you succeeding Mm -hmm. as a SEAL. Um, so it was just, I think it was like episode five. I went way back in the archives, Mm -hmm. but it was really cool to hear. And it was like, wow, you know, that's such a big thing and then going back to the other point you made earlier he was afraid to let this guy go because as a seal this is your livelihood and what you worked for your whole life but Mm -hmm. that one thing well it was like an accumulation of other things but that was one of the main things he could not let go of his own ego um so it's like but there's also another side of ego so uh ego is a big driver like you don't want you want to be the best in your field yeah. because of your ego. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, you know, he talks about dichotomies all the time. But, you know, dichotomy is nothing more than a double-edged sword. Like, how can I... I guess the answer is having self-awareness. That's something I'm constantly trying to to better at is, okay, I'm, I'm making this decision and is my good ego or bad ego driving this? Um like, you know, if, some, if something bad happens to you, um, you know, your first response is, I'm going to crush that guy. Right. I'm going to do everything I can, you know, I'm going to do everything I can to crush that guy. 
and that might lead you to bad decisions. Um, you know, if, if uh, you know, if I owned a, a brewery or whatever, and a head brewery goes across the street and opens up another brewery, like my in my instant reaction is, I'm going, to, I'm going to buy three or the four buildings. I'm going to lower my prices so he can't compete with me. And I'm going to do everything I can. And that might be a dumb move. Mm-hmm. Like, you you know, it's... Instead uh, of working with <clears throat> them, you want to work against them and see them. Or, you know, you're right. cutting off your nose to spite your face kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Or someone tells you you can't run up and down the levee. <laughs> I was going to... I wanted I mean, to go make... back to your ego <laughs> after that trip. From yeah, the... yeah, yeah. So, so <laughs> if somebody, you know, in an executive position within city government... Uh, tries to tell you you can't do something and then your initial reaction is to do go scorched earth policy and then you down the road want to paint your building black (laughs) now you have no friends in city government right and it's it's true i mean so you have you just have you got to be very tactical um and not let your ego get in the way so now the other cool thing is it's all about the accomplishment of the mission Okay, so if I'm dealing with somebody who has a big ego, mm-hmm. it's like not, neither him or I want to give in. All right, and you know, Jocko brought up this good example about how he was he was working with a, a essentially a Fortune 500 company. They were just killing it, and the CEO was a young guy, pro, you know, probably like a former Harvard linebacker, big guy, jacked, hundred million dollars. And everybody on his team loved Jocko except for the CEO. Okay, I of, think I know what you're of the company. About. And uh, you know, Jocko was trying to be nice, and then like, essentially, they the big the guy was bowing up on him, like, "What's up, bro? Like, what are you doing in here?" And they're like, "What's up, bro?" <laughs> and then you know, just turned into this big bro off. And then finally, he was just like, "What is this guy's problem with me? Like, there's you know, there's such tension, there's such uh, you know." Um, back and forth between us and uh finally Jocko was like it's the, the problem isn't him the mm-hmm. problem is me it's my ego getting in the way because I'm like looking at my wallet like damn this guy's good looking he's young and he's got like several way more money in his wallet than I do yep. and so finally he's like dude I just went up to him I was like man you know what I know like I want to let you know you're kicking ass like you're 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 getting after it you're a young guy uh you, you know, went to Ivy League school, former linebacker. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm really impressed with the success that you guys are having. He was like, bro, <laughs> that doesn't mean anything. You're a freaking Navy <laughs> SEAL. Yeah. You you served in combat. <laughs> so, like, you get all this, like. Uh, it's like they were sizing each other. Right. Yeah. They're kind locking right horns. The yeah, they're trying to be the biggest. Alpha male. Yeah, alpha, biggest v bull, alpha male. Biggest bull in the yard. And it, a lot of it is if. You can de-escalate your ego mm-hmm. and then make that initial approach, and you'll find that um, you can get a lot more done that way. As, you know, Going back to Tim's earlier point, you know, if I want to be able to do things within the city, it's probably the best option is not to piss off the city government. Right. Um, so, but you have to be able to recognize is your ego talking. Mm-hmm. Um, let your ego do what it's supposed to do for you. Drive you to be the best in your field. Drive you to do all these things you need you need to do. Right. Um, but don't let it get so big that it harms 
your mission. It, 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 uh, it hampers your inability to do further deals or, or deal with people um, because it's all about accomplishment of the mission. Mm-hmm. And you can, you know, you can flank and do indirect stuff with the other guy by playing on his ego, feeding his ego um, to get things done. So that was my biggest thing for me personally is just if I could check my ego, um, especially dealing with others and, you know, potentially doing big business deals or whatever and just being have awareness of that and um, try to get around it. Tim, how is your ego doing after the Austin trip? I got humbled on this trip over and over and over. So, Because uh, just based off the beginning of this, this whole conversation, I just, now I'm starting to wonder. <coughs> I got checked by a 130-pound <laughs> Nicaraguan one day. That, that hurt. Yeah. Made me a better man, though. Yeah, you're stronger for it. <laughs> Mentally stronger. Right. So we're uh, we're sitting there having some coffee. This this young guy comes up to us. He had just gotten there and he was all fired up to be there. And he's talking to the five of us. And uh, he's like, "Wow, what do you guys do like you know, we everybody work out here." And we're like, "Yeah, we you know we all go. We're all from the same gym." Mm-hmm. This five foot tall, 130 pound Nicaraguan turns and looks at Tim and just like, you too? You don't work out? <laughs> it's like, yeah, I work out. But actually, he goes, did you just get started? Oh. Oh. And I'm doing exactly Shot what I'm doing heart. right now. They're all just dying laughing. Uh, I said, actually, Dale's my uh, personal trainer. He's like, well, he sucks at coaching. Oh. <laughs> he said, but yeah, he obviously works out. You might want to just... Just watch what he does. Oh. Do what he does. Uh, Humbling. Uh, Humbling. Humble. Yes. That's indeed. okay. <laughs> Very Humility. Good. Ego. Good. Another thing that I've heard Jocko talk about, which kind of like touches on ego, well, I think it plays a big part of your ego, is just to never burn those bridges. You know, no matter what, never burn a bridge. And same thing, like with the city manager situation it's like you you never know what you're going to do in the future and you want to make sure that you keep these people on your side you know and the, when they think of you or or someone brings you up that they have a good taste in their mouth you know like yeah and in, in that situation and in that moment you know yeah definitely you, you you want to be able to have a solid reputation um and a part of that is you know this will get into the next part later on but like if you screw something up, you have to be able to, to admit that, mm-hmm. take ownership of it, and uh, develop a plan to fix it. I've right. done that way too many times. So you make a decision, you put someone in a key position, and they're failing, um, which means I'm failing as a leader because I let it go on too long. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my ego gets in the way, and I can't admit that, uh, that I was wrong. Good. So, that's yeah. A, that's a big point, admitting when you're wrong. So what was your, your next takeaway, Tim? Um, he talked a lot about attributes of leadership, and you just hit on one that he he thinks is one of the biggest ones is, uh, is humility. He also talked about um, honesty and, and being fair, consistent. Um, the two other attributes that I wrote down that I, I really didn't give a lot of thought to were, uh, of course, he's big on discipline, um, which 
Jocko would say discipline is the foundational leadership attribute and that discipline equals freedom. And that really hit home for me because I could definitely be way more disciplined in, in everything I do. I'm a, I've committed to that. It's a, it's a conscious decision, a choice, a commitment to be disciplined in all aspects of life. And he talks about um, people that want, the two things that people seem to want most are financial freedom and more free time. Uh, free time, yeah. So if, if you want financial freedom, you've got to be fin- financially disciplined. Mm-hmm. So you would think those two things work against each other, but they, they actually coincide. Same thing if you want uh, more work-life balance is the buzzword of our generation, I guess. Um, you have to have, have discipline, time management. So discipline, and then the other one was manipulation, which oh, right. has a negative connotation. Yeah. And I, I've actually felt really bad about this. I've been called a master manipulator, but really... You're an influencer. Well, you, that's, you and go. that's what leadership is, yeah. is you influence people. You get people to do things that maybe they weren't going to do, or at least things that you want them to do. And that's uh, manipulation. Now, it's only negative if it benefits the mani- manipulator, right? But if it, in a negative way, in right. a negative way. But if it benefits the team or that per at least the person that you're manipulating, then that's a good thing. So, um, see, I didn't even need to go. I listened to that <laughs> one episode and I got it. You're good. Motivation, or I'm sorry, manipulation and influence. Was that a podcast? He did synonyms of each other. Yeah, yeah episode, okay. that same episode. Yeah, le- yeah. Basically, like, what's the difference between leadership and manipulation? Yeah. You know, leadership is directing a team to a common goal. Getting them to do what you want. Getting them, them to, to do, do what you want for the benefit of everyone. Of everyone, right? The manipulation is getting somebody to do something for the benefit solely for you. Right. They're both practical. The ways of doing that are the same, mm-hmm. really. Um, but you know the difference is the end state so yeah i mean that's getting people and that's in leadership is exactly that you have a wide variety of people wide variety of personalities everybody's mm-hmm. um everybody's driven by different things and it's your job to know what makes somebody work right. to understand their psychology to best get to reap the most out of them i mean if you look at a coach like you know, Phil Jackson or Vince Lombardi or whoever, they're, uh, they understand what drives their athletes. Mm-hmm. And they understand, you know, Michael Jordan's different than Scottie Pippen. Right. And different things are going to work for that person. So you, you have to influence them mm-hmm. or Manip- manipulate them or yeah. whatever you want to do to get them to a common goal to win the championship. Right. So they talked a lot about flanking. Yeah. Um, so it's just... Yeah, I've thought before to myself, man, I just, I totally got him to do what I wanted to do, and he didn't even realize it, you know? But, it, and didn't think about it. in military terms, it's they come at it from a different angle, which is flanking. Um, yeah, yeah, the best way is to get somebody to do something and then let them think it was their idea. Right. That's what he right. said was the, the ultimate key to success yeah. is if you, if you can do that, then you, just, you won. And if we check our egos. Right. Well, and we can also admit that we've been flanked. Oh yeah, a <laughs> hundred times too. Yeah. Wow. I just okay. I see where they're coming from now, and it makes so much sense. Yeah. Um, so those two attributes of leadership really stuck out to me. 
to me, the uh, you know obviously the books call extreme ownership. Their company, that you know that what is extreme ownership? Um, to me, this is the thing. Like personally, ego. I, I need to get that in check. I need to. That's gonna help me or help hurt me. But I think uh, as far as everyone benefiting, everyone that's that's listening is understanding extreme ownership. Basically, it's a mindset where there's no excuses, there's no one to blame. You own the problems and you own the solutions. It's about what you can control and influence. Like, typically, if you look at any problems, it's always someone else's fault. Right. We failed because of them. Um, in the military, like, you work at higher levels or on the frontline levels, and it's always the guys at the higher levels, the guys down there on the line are screwed up. Mm-hmm. They're not getting the mission. They're not, they're screwing everything else. Guys down the line, are, I wish those guys were down here so they could see what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, you know, it's top down and it's bottom up. Like you have to be like as the leader, um, even if you're not, if you're just uh, a mid-level manager, you're not the CEO, you are still responsible for the company's success. Mm-hmm. That's what extreme extreme ownership means. Like, as an employee, and I've been both. Uh, it's super easy. Like, if you acted as if, how would you act differently if you acted as the owner mm-hmm. of that company? Would when you're walking across the parking lot, would you pick that trash up? As an employee, probably not. But I damn sure won't see an owner walk by his, his or her parking lot and not pick pick of trash up not right. put the toilet paper back on the back on the whatever the hell that thing that that is my number one I thing <laughs> i swear to as god as soon as you just said that my like hair stood i up on like my punch arms. holes in the walls when i see you took the effort to get the toilet paper out yes and then you set it on the holder mm-hmm. all you have to do is pinch the thing in Remove the cardboard and put it in there. Three so seconds. Ownership. So Come three on, people. Own the toilet paper. <laughs> Don't be that guy. You are the owner of the bathroom. Don't now. be that guy. Don't piss on the seat either. Yeah. <laughs> While we're going down And if you right. do piss on the seat, what own it. <laughs> Take that toilet paper that you set back in there and wipe the toilet seat off. Uh... That's what ownership is. If something's broke, don't tell somebody it's broke. Fix it, yeah. Fix it. That's a good point. <sighs> Whew. Got a little spike on the Man. on the reading over Sorry, here. Sorry, I needed to get that out. Anyway, so, well, how do you get people to take ownership? You give them ownership. That's kind of what we talked about earlier is uh, don't treat people just as if they're em- your employees. Mm-hmm. Um Give them areas of responsibility. Give them missions. Give them everything they need, but also empower them. Empower them through training. Empower them through counseling. Um, give, let them be successful as possible. Um, and Tim will talk about this later, but the goal of the leader is to get rid of everything. Create leaders. Let them lead. Mm-hmm. Um, if you but, share the vision, if they know what the... the the mission is and you allow them to be creative and get there and you you invite them to take action that most people I think will rise to the occasion Mm -hmm. and you can't let your ego get in the way and that that you know there's a great book called the um the e-myth 
And I actually had a conversation with a guy here in town about that. Is he's like, dude, I started my own. Did I talk about this last podcast? I can't remember. I don't think I don't so. Don't think so. Okay, if I did, then it'll fast just be forward. a recap. Yeah, yeah. just make sure you put the toilet paper back on. <laughs> That's go- I'm gonna That's bring that up every on. podcast from now on. Over and out. <clears throat> anyway, so he was like, dude, I quit my job, started my own business. It's going great, um, but I hate it. I'm like, why do you hate it? He goes, because I'm forced. I'm, so, I'm blessed in a way that I have 10 hours a day that I'm just booked because he's a specialist in his field mm-hmm. and he's whether he's trained himself to do this and he's just non he's like nonstop 10 hours a day he's the he's became a slave to his business mm-hmm. and I said well why did you start your business well it's because I want to be able to do whatever I want you know in a in a good way. I want basically. I want freedom. Freedom, yeah. I want free. He's like, I would love just take my kids on an RV and go out west for two weeks, but I can't do that. Like I'm, I'm book solid. Yeah. And if I turn down, like it's just me. It's only doing this. And I said, Well, you just answered your question. Well, his response is, No one can do it as good as I can. Okay. Well, have you ever trained anybody to do it? Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm, and you're gonna let now that you see where the ego is yep. getting in yep. the way. See, that is a good point. Okay, I love my parents to death, but they they own their own mission route in Columbus, and so what they do is they go around to different stores. They're technically their own business owners of a franchise in a way, mm-hmm. and they sell tortillas to different grocery stores, and they work. They get up every day at two, two a.m. because the stores, the back doors open at three. Okay, mm-hmm. two of them own this route in Columbus. It's it's the dead center of Columbus, so it keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Well, we just went on vacation. My dad didn't go because he's got to work. He's got to do it and grind and grind and grind. And they always say, "Well, you know, we, I'm, I have two other siblings. Hire somebody, train somebody, you know." And they do, they, they train people, but it is hard work, and, and a lot of people don't want to do hard work, and I get that, but. The other side of that is hiring somebody and having that responsibility. Mm-hmm. And and so that is just and it is it is a lot of ego because they're very hard workers and and they've worked very very hard, but that just like whoosh, I just feel like I just got like a wave of like I had an aha moment right there for my parents. <laughs> yeah. And I mean this this yeah, the book like I said the book's called The E-Myth. Yeah, that's it. Um and you know, the same thing goes back to me like um, obviously, I think I'm a pretty good coach. I love to coach, um, but there's only eight hours in a day. Yep. You know what I mean? I think you're I, a good coach, too. <laughs> Minus what the Nicaraguan It's really working about, for Tim. <laughs> about Tim. I am a good coach. Um, but I can only, you know, there's 40 hours in a week, and, yeah, if you want to double that up, <clears> sure. But that's a, you know, that's a finite amount of time, and it's a finite amount of impact. You know, if I coach or what I can do, pull myself back, train my coaches, mm-hmm. and then look, I've, if I can train up 10 coaches, then I've literally just 10x my impact and my capability. And it doesn't happen overnight. Right. It's going to take, you're, you're now your job is not to coach athletes. Your job is to coach coaches. Now your job is to train that next person. So now you could have two specialists mm-hmm. uh, doing those repairs or, or however many you need. So, 
you give them ownership and you need to understand yeah they're they're not going to do it as good as you can at first right i think as much as i you know not hate to admit it but hammer as a coach has done a great job he takes ownership of that gym mm-hmm. and you know he knows what's going on on the floor at all times he has a, a ton of clients you know and that's got to feel really good for you when you do go on these trips and you know like every coach does a great job and we none of us you know let want to see trash on the floor or the toilet paper run out but he is on that floor from sun up to sundown five four to five to six days a week you know mm-hmm. And he said before, you know, he that's his gym out there, and, and he takes extreme ownership Definitely. in making sure everything works, making sure nothing's broken, and, and going to the store if it needs to be done, or delegating to us, like, what needs to be done, too, you know, helping him clean up the weights or whatever it might be, taking control of the open. Mm-hmm. He does a great job. That's Hammer Strong, LLC. Ting! <laughs> 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 um. But yeah, and it didn't he didn't start off that way? No, exactly. And like, as you have to be able, and that's the next question was okay. All right, Jocko. Well, what what's the number one thing I look for in a, for an employee? His answer was discipline. Mm-hmm. You look for the most disciplined person to be your employee, and then you can train anybody to do mm-hmm. anything. Uh, you know, since we're talking about Hammer, what I. It's funny because when Informetals came into town, Oak is a hardcore CrossFitter. Oak came to our gym back in the warehouse days, and Oak's smart because mm-hmm. he came talk to me and and he's like, "I'm not from here. I don't know anyone. Like, I, but what's your recommendation on employees?" So he came to a CrossFit gym mm-hmm. to seek his employ- some of his key personnel to start off with. Because people are disciplined. Because there. people, a people are disciplined to come work out. B, they're very hardworking. Mm-hmm. You can train anybody to, to do anything else. That's a good point. Um, and it's funny because at the time, um, my top two recommendations were Hammer and Cindy. <laughs> and they both ended up working there. Uh, yeah, they both got jobs there. Yeah, because you know, and there was a. They're highly recommended to me because I would see Hammer do stuff like at the end of a class, he would help other people put back kettlebells. Mm-hmm. He would stay stay a couple minutes just mm-hmm. to kind of straighten up because you can't teach that. No. No. Yeah, you know I mean, like that's just the kind of guy he was, and that, and to me that always stuck out in my mind. Like, man, I want to you know eat, eat, try to hook this guy up or because at the time. None of this would it was even a vision of possibility at the time, and you know it's the same way with Cindy, but everybody that everybody that I work with here, um, I've I've selected them, picked them, talked to them just based upon their actions inside of uh, inside of the gym. Um, so yeah, you just ownership is huge, and it's and it goes both ways. If you think something's jacked up, it is your responsibility to lead what Jago refers to as leading up mm-hmm. the chain of command. If you see something wrong, um, don't be like, oh, well, it's out of my control. Can't do anything about it. Have you talked to your boss? Yeah. Have you had a conversation? Have you tried to flank or indirect attack him into getting things done how you need to do it? Um, instead of like your automatic response being, they're screwed up. 
everything's jacked up, mm-hmm. they're stupid. Okay. Well, why are they stupid? Right. Maybe they're stupid because you're not communic you're not adequately communicating what you're trying to accomplish at your level. And if they keep asking you questions all the time, you know, bro, like maybe it's an ego thing mm-hmm. and like set your ego down and like, okay, like or use your ego. This is what ego comes into either mm-hmm. play. Like in a situation like that, like if you're getting bombarded with questions all the time and you think they're stupid questions, your ego is going to tell you they're stupid. I'm not going to answer them. They're just dumb. I'm not going to deal with dumb people. Mm-hmm. Or you you can use their ego to be like, I'm going to answer every single question they have as fast as possible, and I'm going to overfeed them information. That's what I'm yeah. going to do. So you see how your ego can mm-hmm. work for you or work uh, work against you. Right. Um, and, and basically, like extreme ownership is owning owning a screw-up. Like, your immediate human nature, when you screw something up and you know you're responsible for it, that is directly your fault, mm-hmm. is to find a way that you didn't do it. Mm-hmm. You know, the you were late because you were lost. Yeah. yeah, your alarm didn't go off. Right. The electricity went out last night and your alarm didn't go off. Or there was a line to get gas Mm-hmm. that you needed gas to get here or you know the kids were screaming in the morning and you had to do this and you had to do that no dude it's you're, your fault you're just late you yeah. didn't get up early enough to account for all those things mm-hmm. and you weren't here and it's just like if you're that person that's late all the time there's a big difference if you come in you know you're 15 minutes late and you're like dale i'm a dumbass my bad, I'm late. But it's gotta be more than just owning yeah. the that okay, yeah, it's my fault. I'm sorry I'm late. So let's just say it's a class example, okay? Well, you know, if you're the first person here at five thirty AM and you don't get here the doors fifteen don't minutes open. before yeah. and there's ten people out in their cars that have paying good money to come here, like that's a big screw up. Um, yeah, mistakes happen. So when you come in and you're like, before you heard it from anyone else, I was late. Here's what I did. For every person in there, I did three burpees. And then I went and then I got them all a coffee. Mm-hmm. And what I'm going to do is I bought a backup alarm clock, a battery powder alarm clock, so I'll never be late again. Right. As a boss, I, I want that person every time instead of Tim coming in. Like, not A, not saying anything, B, letting me find out from somebody else. Yeah. And then making me confront him about him being late. And then, like, oh, yeah, man, it was just. Didn't hear it, Tim Horton. Yeah, didn't hear it. (laughs) The alarm didn't go off, man. And you know what? It's that alarm. Like, man, you know what I mean? Like, it was this, that, and the other. Like, which situation would you rather respond to? Which person right. would you rather have, you know what I mean? Because a lot of people think, well, if I admit my screw-up, that's going to get me in more trouble instead of, like, trying to find somebody else to blame it on. Mm-hmm. No, like, take extreme ownership of the situation. This is a good segue into take care of your people. Oh, yeah. That was a good point that I took away, and, uh, and I failed at this multiple times, and uh, even just recently, I... I want to coddle my people. I want to, ta- I want to like, 
have their back and um, taking care of people is not having your your manager's back or your trainer's back in this case um, and making them feel like they're untouchable mm-hmm. if you do this which I have you make it easier for them to fail and negatively affect their team and ultimately their family and, and themselves so when you when that with that example if they're getting here right at the bell and they're letting down your clients you're, you're not doing them any favors by letting them fail so on the other hand taking care of your people is being honest giving constructive criticism setting clear expectations sharing the vision mm-hmm. and sharing it often um, making sure they understand and then following through with consequences if you got to set someone down um, you do that uh, too often I just I just want to put my arm around someone and say man it's all right I understand blah 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 you can't do that over and over and over mm-hmm. and when you coddle them like that it just it really erodes uh, trust and and everyone else that's watching that and um, and kind of can ruin your corporate culture mm-hmm. and then giving praise only when it's truly due which Jaka talked about that he's he's not big on praise sure but um, you can I think it's important to acknowledge people though um, but not not unless it's truly um, uh, when it's truly due so yeah if you if if you're taking care of people and you're ta- taking care of their short-term needs that's probably not a good thing um, if you're honest with them uh, then you can protect their long-term needs and and that's more important to uh, the whole team and especially that person that you're coaching yeah I agree I think I think Dale you do a good job of this there's been a couple of times I've been sat down since I started um, coaching you know or working for the nonprofit or whatever it might be where I've kind of had to sit down and, and take that criticism and, you know, you always do a good job of, like, when I leave, I feel like I learned something, you know, and I understand why you're telling me what you're telling me, and I can see it, you know what I mean? Otherwise, my ego would be in the way, and I would be like, well, no, I didn't do that, or I didn't do anything wrong, and so I just feel like, and we all have those, well, I remember the time Dale sat me down and told me this. You know, we always mm-hmm. sit down, all the coaches and I talk about, we will talk about that. But no one ever was like, and he was totally wrong, you know, or whatever. So, yeah, I think that's a, that's a huge part of being a leader. And, and on the other side of that, back in, in your families a lot, especially in today's world, like everybody is a cheerleader and thinks that their kids are, like, the best thing, and which they are, and I don't have any, so I don't know, but um, praise them when it's due. You know, it's not every time, oh, look what Jimmy did today. Look what they did. That This is so cute. It's so this, da, da, da. Just when it's due, it means so much more. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I think that that's, that's, a, that's a big thing. Yeah, there's a um, funny story. There I was. I was a young young lieutenant in, in officer school, and it was like 23rd birthday, so we'd go out and get hammered, like hammered, <laughs> uh, down in the middle of the desert in, in Fort Huachuca. And so our instructors, <clears throat> was a second lieutenant, and our instructors were all like senior captains, and of course, as like a safety measure, 
you had their personal cell phones so in case of emergency you know let's help you out well my quote-unquote friends thought it would be a good idea since I was hammered to call call the instructor <laughs> and then put me on the phone with said instructor while wow, you're blabbering why yeah why I'm blabbering incoherently um, <laughs> Which is not something you want to do. Major no-no. <laughs> uh, you know, in, in a rigid military rank environment. So, I don't even remember what I said. <laughs> I'm sure at the time I thought it was hilarious. Um, and I don't even really remember it until the next day uh, when they're like, Dude, you called Captain so-and-so, da-da-da-da-da. And I didn't call him. They called and put me, put you know me what I mean? Kind of thing. So... I'm like, oh, no. So all weekend long, I'm just dreading <laughs> Monday morning. So Monday morning, do our PT. He's there. Doesn't say anything. Doesn't even act like, you know, anything happened. So I'm like, like I'm waiting to get my ass ripped, which is worse. Yeah. You mean the, the anticipation of death is worse than death itself. So I'm waiting and, like, I start to think, like, Oh, dude, he's cool. Maybe he's not going <laughs> to say anything. You know what I mean? Get all the way. Now it's like 1700. Time to go home. And, you know, he's sitting back by the doors. Everybody's kind of filing out. And, um, you know, like, I think I'm getting out of this. Like, he's not going to say anything. He's like, Lieutenant King, I need you to stay behind. Oh, man. And now I'm like, oh, no. Here it comes. This is it. <laughs> I'm just going to get just roasted. Yeah. And, uh, I was so embarrassed with myself that I could not even look him in the eyes. Like, he was talking to me, and I was just looking at his boots, like, <laughs> just knowing what a jackass I was. Right. And so, like, I'm full, I'm fully well expecting just to get flamed, to do PT till I die kind of thing. And uh, he's like, so, about your phone call. Sir, I'm so sorry, sir. Da, 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 sir, I'm sorry. Like, da, 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 da. He goes, here's what you should learn from this. A, you know, beyond, like, he's like, you don't do that. Like, yada, yada, yada. He goes, but here, besides all that, here's what you need to understand. Is, you didn't, not only did you let yourself down, your buddies let you down. Mm -hmm. By doing that to you. He goes, when you're in a situation like that, you need to be the guy that says, you know what, dude, like, this is not a good idea. Yeah. Like, you need to be the kind of person in a group environment like that, no matter if it's two beers or 15 beers, you need to have enough sense to take care of that group mm -hmm. and ensure that it doesn't happen. So that was 15 some years ago. And I tell that story all the time because that lesson has impacted me like to this day. Right. And, and he wasn't screaming at me. He wasn't yelling at me. You know, it's that kind of like classic dad disappointment mm -hmm. kind of thing where he was just like. So in a situation like that, um, you got you got to be able to confront somebody because no one, no matter if you think somebody's an asshole or not, or like no one likes to have a confrontation, mm -hmm. especially when it comes to somebody underperforming or somebody doing something wrong. Like, even if you think that person just doesn't care and is the biggest dick in the world, I guarantee that guy would rather do something in his day than have to confront an employee about 
discipline or mm-hmm. underperformance or something like that. Um, but the thing is, like, you just got to be able to, as a leader, you have to have those hard talks as soon as you see something go. Right. The quicker, like, the quicker you can cauterize the wound, the less the disease will spread. That's... Um, and it's hard because you don't, like, you want to be the nice guy. You want to be the nice guy that has Everyone fun with it. That everybody likes you. You know, that goes back to the taking taking care of your people. Mm-hmm. Sometimes taking care of your people means, like, sticking a boot in their ass and then make sure they learn something from it at, right. uh, at the same time. So. Well, good. Sounds like you guys really got your shit together down there. Yeah, got a lot out of this conference. Yeah, so sure. my my main question is, you know, like we said at the beginning, we've, we've listened to the podcasts. Um, some of us have read the book, and now you've gone to the conference and seen it in person. What, as leaders, moving forward, are you going to change or are you going to, because we kind of do this, sustain... Improve. And improve. Yeah. What are you going to do to... Im- and, and that's that's a solid example of a debrief, mm-hmm. which was another point. Like we, Tim and I probably combined have 20 pages of notes. Right. Um, I'm looking at this right you now. Know, and maybe this is like a part two kind of thing. But um, so to me, you know, other than the takeaways, like what, what I need to start doing better mm-hmm. here is... I need to do a better job of training, um, and training can be anything, um, mm-hmm. because I'm I'm self aware. Like my thing is like I did it all on my own. Mm-hmm. Why aren't you doing it? What is your problem? You need to be in my mind, knowing exactly what I'm thinking mm-hmm. at this moment. What is your problem? Well, the problem is me, asshole. Like. You can't. You have to provide clear guidance, clear expectations of what you're thinking, what the vision is at that time. That's A. Mm-hmm. Then B. You have to train your people to the standard that you expect. So, the, you know, the ultimate success of a business is as a leader, you can be, you can go away for a month. And it's not about you going away for a month and the business quote unquote survives. You go away for a month, and then you get briefed on how they kicked ass right. while you were gone. Have you ever gone away and they did better when you were away? I'm sure I, every time they probably... <laughs> I do. I do. They definitely do. enjoy it more <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, just real quick without... You know, that's a great question. Ooh. I need to... I mean, I need to communicate better. Bottom line. I have to do a better job of communications for all three companies. Uh, actually, all four organizations. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know shit's coming in hot at my level yeah like emails text messages let's do this let's do this let's do this you know let's consider doing that blah 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 and it drops and that's my fault that it drops i need i need to do a better job of communicating uh i need to do a better job of explaining the vision and i need to do a better job of training individuals to go out and dominate good very good follow that up (laughs) okay tim um, well, I mean, I've got to develop my own leadership skills first so that I can help develop my key people's leadership skills and That's so that they good. can just keep developing people, you know, down the line. So I've got to check my own ego first. Just because I'm the leader doesn't mean that I'm good at leading. 
and I so first and foremost check my ego and then use all these takeaways and, and basically implement what we learned at this conference. Um, Very good. Nice. Good. Well, Echo is jacked, by the way. If you guys listen to the podcast, Echo Charles is jacked. I couldn't believe it. Oh, also, we, like I said previously, we were sent, or we have a message board between the three of us. And we kind of gave a little teasers and posted pictures um, while they were there. They're all going to make probably probably make a lot more sense now. So I'm going to get these posted up. All I'm going to say is there's Tim on a cigarette boat. Um, it looks like the old school Hulk Hogan boat. Yeah, and uh, like I said earlier, in a hatchback, I actually have a picture of that. Um, and and also. I'm not sure what happened prior or post this picture being taken, but I have a picture of Tim mean mugging harder than Jocko, okay? And and so we're going to get these posted up online. Um, thank you guys for coming back. I was afraid that you guys were going to just have too much fun and, and stay no, down no. in Austin. Um, and so, anyways, yep, if you guys... Uh, we we would have stayed... But uh, Tim could fit in my carry-on luggage, so we were, <laughs> we were, good to we go. were able to go. Good to go. All right. Well, thank you guys again for listening. If you like what you're hearing, click subscribe on Google Play or iTunes. Um, shoot us a, an email. Like, like we said earlier, this could potentially be a part two podcast at a later date. So if you have any questions, um, shoot us an email, glockandoc at gmail.com. Or post on Facebook, and we will uh, get back to you as soon as possible. Other than that, have a great week. We'll be back next week. Um, excited and looking forward to it. Get after it. Get some. Glock and Doc, out. Make a little Don't need no spotlight to shine on me What I got, I didn't get for free I broke my back and skinned my knees Working hard just to stay alive I don't need much, just enough to survive Make a dollar Trying to make a dollar